right, well, good morning, Joy Christian Center. It is so good to see you. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tommy. I'm one of the pastors here, which means over the course of a year, I have a few opportunities to be able to share my heart and share my life with you here on a Sunday morning. And today happens to be one of those days. So I want to send out a thank you to Pastor Brian for uh, giving me the opportunity this morning to share with you. And also I want to thank all of you who are in the room. Why don't you give yourselves a hand? And I'd also uh, like to thank those of you who are joining us online. Believe it or not, we have people that are watching this live uh, via the internet. Uh, it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, you might have heard of it. And uh, so thank you all for joining us as well. So um, today I got a rather interesting topic, uh, one that we're going to talk about that you probably weren't thinking was going to be talked about on your way to church this morning. Uh, we're actually going to talk a little bit about roller coasters. Now, to kind of set the mood for you, to uh, get you kind of thinking a little roller coastery, I was... Uh, uh, thinking about how we can um, help you get there, how, how we can set the mood. So I thought it'd be great if we all went to Valley Fair. I thought that could be a really cool thing, but then about a moment after I thought that, I figured that might be a little bit impossible. So then I thought about how we can bring Valley Fair to joy. And what I did is uh, a few weeks ago, I drove to a Valley Fair and I picked up some merchandise. And the difficult thing was, even though I was only at Valley Fair for a few moments, they still had me pay for parking. Um, I told the people, like, look, um, is this really going to cost me $15? I'm only going to be here for 10 minutes. And uh, she wasn't buying it. She probably thought I was lying. Um, I, I don't know, maybe some people have tried that before. So I had to pay the parking. And then um, I got to the front gate. I'm like, look, I'm only buying merchandise. I'm not riding a single ride. I'm going to go get some stuff, and then I will come back here and show you that I'm leaving. Is that? They're like, yeah, 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 it's okay. And I think, why isn't the parking attendant <laughs> that nice? Um, so um, I go in there, and I pick up some merchandise. So does anyone like free things? All right, very cool. So um, I got a t-shirt here for you um, that says, live fast and ride faster. Would anyone want this t-shirt? All right, we're going to throw it that way. All right. Inevitably, it goes to someone that wasn't raising their hand. Now, um, going to Valley Fair is always a great thing when the weather cooperates. And you know this if you've ever been there and it wasn't cooperating and the kids are looking at you like, I told you we were supposed to go tomorrow. It's supposed to be sunny tomorrow and now it's raining. And, um, you know, that's a difficult thing. So I got a poncho um, in case that winds up happening to you. So would anyone like a poncho? All right, there's some people back there. Oh, it went to someone raising their hands. All right. Um, I got another T-shirt here um, that says Valley Fair established in 19. 1976, there's some people way back there. That isn't getting to you, but you can chase after it. Now, here's the most valuable thing from Valley Fair, okay? You probably have experienced this before when you go somewhere where there's a whole bunch of people that you don't know and you're thirsty and you want to go get something to drink and, you know, the prices are ridiculously expensive, right? So I have a Sprite bottle from Valley Fair, which which is the most expensive Sprite bottle in all of St. Cloud. So I'm not throwing this, so if someone wants to come and grab it. Oh, Carter and Adrian. Ah! Okay. All right. Um, Carter, I think I'm going to have to pick up another one for you, but it's not going to be from Valley Fair. Um, 
So I have a question uh, for you, and some of you, you might be able to think of the answer right away. Others of you, it might take a while, but, but here's the question. Do you remember your first ever roller coaster? Do you remember your first ever roller coaster? Now, when I think about this situation, I think back when I was a kid and my parents took me to a little place, it's not that big, called Six Flags Great America in Gurney, Illinois. Um, uh, it, when we were driving up to the theme park, I could see roller coasters and rides like way above the trees. And this was a rather scary thing for me because growing up in central Wisconsin, the biggest things that I saw were silos and water towers, all right? So I saw roller coasters or rides that were as tall as a silo and a water tower combined. And I'm like, this is not good. This is not a good idea. And my parents are like, we brought you here. You are going anyway. So it's like, okay. Okay, okay, okay. So we get into the park, and there's all kinds of strange people. Um, if you want to have fun, just watch people. Um, that's really fun. So I'm pointing out to my parents all the strange people that I see. Like, did you see? Did you? And they, stop that. And um, my favorite part of the day actually wasn't even a ride. Um, the, there was a thing called the mister. At least that's what I call it is the mister. Um, so several places throughout the park, there would be this spray uh, set up that would spray down on the walkways that would kind of take the edge off of the heat. So you would walk through this mister and it really wouldn't get you wet. It would just get you a little like damp so then you can stand in line for three hours again. Um, so, so I was a little apprehensive, wondering, you know, what is this thing? That's not good. And then I went through it, and I turned around, walked through it again, turned around, walked through it again. My parents were like, we are not going to do this all day. Actually, my parents probably like, son, we're not going to do this all day. You know, we, we paid for the rides, not for the mister. And um, so uh, part of the discussion then became what was going to be my first roller coaster. And, and several of you have probably probably had a similar discussion with um, parents or, or, you know, older people than you. And, and um, so there was the shock wave, which was a very big, big blue one that I wasn't even going to think about going on. Um, there was a roller coaster called the tidal wave, which is very similar to the steel venom from Valley Fair. Um, you would leave the wherever you jump on the roller coaster and you would go up one way and then you'd come back, you'd go through a loop backwards and then you'd go up and then you would go through the loop again and this was a really crazy ride and I thought that looked like a lot of fun but I would die so we didn't go on that one. Um, there was the um, American Eagle, a big wooden roller coaster, um, probably similar to the Renegade. Anyone a fan of the Renegade? All right, awesome. And uh, then there was the Demon. And for some reason, my dad goes, we're going to ride the Demon. And I just don't understand why, out of all of the rides, you know, you would choose the demon. And I don't know why they're called the demon or why the new ride, Goliath. Why isn't it called David? You know, David won the end. He's the bad guy. Um, uh, so, so Goliath, it's like, oh, you know, why have they got these names? So um, we go on the demon. And we're on the ascent and, and going up, and I really wasn't that nervous about that. And then we started seeing, like, the cars, like, disappear in front of me. Like, hey, what's happening? You know, it's like, well, we're kind of, uh, you know, we're in for it now. And, and my dad's like, do you want to hold my hand? I'm like, 
no, why would I want to hold your hand? Um, I actually was not that cool yet at that point, so I said, yes, I do want to hold your hand. And I think we held hands like this, you know, the non-manly way. You know, this is like, if we have to, we're going to do this. But I was like this. And um, now, keep in mind, I was a little guy. I actually got a picture of me at Great America on that day. And here's the picture. Um, there, uh, yes. Yes, I had hair. Thank you, Ben. Um, glasses, too. I'd almost, like, keep the glasses and the hair, but um, at any rate. Um, so, so this is me. So I'm a little guy, and I'm holding on to my dad's hand, and the cars are disappearing, and then finally it came our turn for the car to disappear, and, and a problem wound up taking place. Our roller coaster car went down, and I didn't go down with it. I was like suspended in the air for a moment. And in that time where I was suspended in the air, a lot of thoughts entered my mind. One, you're done, you're gonna die. Two, if you don't die right now, you're gonna die in the loop-de-loops. There are two loops on the demons, not just one, two of them. And if the, the loop-de-loops didn't get you, then for sure the corkscrew was going to get you you're going to die, and, and you're holding on to your dad's hand, and you're still going to die. Um, now, if you've never had a near-death experience, you don't know this, but a lot of thoughts can go through, can't they? When it's like time stops. Eternity happened right there for little me, and, and sure enough, the shoulder harnesses catch me, and I go down with the ride and hold on to my dad's hand the whole time. Now, since that day, I've rode on plenty of roller coasters. Um, I've rode on, on wooden ones, steel ones, um, ones that you're actually beneath the track. Some of them you're actually standing up. Great America has one called the Iron Wolf. You stand up the whole time. Um, uh, Angela and I, about a week before our wedding, we went on the Superman, which you sit down, and then they go, whoa. So you like kind of like Superman, and then you go for the ride. There isn't a sound that goes, whoa. I just added that. Um, so there's all kinds of rides, and chances are some of you have probably rode on more roller coasters than just your first one. Some of you, you probably stopped after the first one, and, you know, that was it. But, but roller coasters are, are very, very interesting, and we, we ride all different kinds of them, you know, and they up and down, up and down, and up and down. And I think to myself, sometimes isn't that like life? Isn't it like life where, where we're, you know, in one, one peak and then we're at another and then we're at one peak and then at another and then sometimes we go through the loop-de-loops, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes we go through the corkscrew, it's like, oh man. And this never became more evident to me than uh, several months ago when Angela and I were on a date day. Now, when I say date day, that means Angela and I are not working and the kids are at school, okay? So that's kind of like date day for us, which means, you know, we go to the grocery store. Um, we have, a, some of you know this, we have a few appointments and then we go uh, out to eat at Pepper Jack's and then we rush home to hopefully beat the kids off the bus. Sometimes we're coming down the road as they're getting off the bus and we're like, yeah, you know, um, we're the best parents ever. So, so date day is happening 
and I noticed this sound in, in our, our vehicle, like by the tires, and it, it go, boom, 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 boom. It, um, this one actually did have a sound, um, and it gets faster as we go and then slows down as we get slower, so I thought, oh, there's something in the tires. So at our um, next uh, appointment on date day, I go out of the vehicle, and I look at the tire, and sure enough, there's a screw in the tire. Date day just went boom like that, okay? I was so disappointed, like, oh, and I don't even think we had lunch yet. So that's just terrible. It's like, ah. Oh. So um, uh, I think to myself, though, you know, I actually have a coupon at home for $20 off of any service from the mechanic shop. So I can use that coupon, and, you know, it's the screw is in the tread, so they should be able to patch it, and everything will be great and awesome. So we drop Angela off. She has lunch, and then I go to the dealership. And so I'm at the dealership, and I, I talk to the service manager, and I'm like, yeah, I got a screw in the tire. Just patch it up, and we'll be good. You, you know the people that you kind of tell them their job? You know, there's, there's some of those people. And so he happened to be that person for me today. And he's looking at it. He's like, yeah, Tommy, we're not going to be able to patch that. I'm like, what? And my roller coaster went, Whoa. again. Like, I didn't even have a vertical like time in between there. I just kept going lower and I didn't know that I could go lower. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you see, it's technically in the tread, but it's so close to the sidewall that we can't put a patch in it. So you might need to get a whole new tire and you might need to then get four new tires. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's just this little screw. You can't fix it. And, you know, I'm getting a little amped up, you know, um, and it's like, come on. And so he says, well, maybe I'll make a phone call. So he calls some shops in town. He's like, hey, you know, I got a screw in the tire. This is the location. Can you put a patch on it? No, my roller coaster still is going down. And, and he calls another place and another place, like three places. And all of them are saying, no, they can't fix it. Now, this is a terrible problem. Any of you been there before? You go to the people that are supposed to be able to fix the problem, and they're like, yeah, sorry, can't fix it. Like, what are you here for? Um, sorry. So, um, so I, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And then the service manager grabs a bottle of Windex. And I'm like, dude. That's not going to fix the problem. This isn't my big fat Greek wedding. You can't just spray Windex on it and have all the problems go away. You got to watch my big fat Greek wedding. Um, and so uh, the first one, not the second one. I heard the second one's terrible. Um, so the um, so he's spraying Windex on it, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Well, I'm seeing if there's any bubbles." And, and if there's any bubbles, then I know that there's air coming out of the tires. Like, okay. I said, well, I'm not seeing any bubbles. Are you seeing any bubbles? It's like, no, I don't, I don't see any bubbles. It's like, well, that's great. It's like, yeah, but we still got to get the screw out. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So uh, he grabs a, um, a drill and uh, connects it to the screw and then backs it out. He goes, now, if I take this screw out, the tire could go, you know, and then we got to get a new tire. It's like, okay, okay. And like, it's not okay, but you still have to say okay. So he takes the screw out and then he sprays more Windex on it. And I'm just like, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm looking and there's no bubbles. And he goes, well, Tommy, this is your lucky day. You didn't puncture the tire. It's just in like the rubber, so you're good. You can go. I was like, hallelujah, praise Jesus. And I was so excited, I actually kept the screw. 
and this, this wasn't like a month ago. I've had this screw for months, okay? Um, just for today. And so, so this is the screw, and I'm, I'm driving home just like, oh. Like, like I didn't even call Angela to tell her the news. I waited to tell her face-to-face because it was so awesome, you know? So, so I'm on my way home like, Jesus, look at what you did. Like, we were on date day, and it was great. And then all of a sudden, the screw is in the tire, and then it's like, whoa, the roller coaster, right? We're going down, and then we're going down, and we're going further down. We're like beneath the ground down, and we're still going down, and then there was this little bit of hope, and there was this little bit of hope, and now I'm like, this, God, you know, that one verse where it says you took the bad, you turned it around for the good, this is so awesome, and then God said something to me, and, and maybe he doesn't talk this way to you, but he's kind of blunt with me. He goes, I didn't put you on that roller coaster. You did that to yourself. It's like, huh, I turned the music down. Like, did I hear you right? And God again, like, confirmed this to me. Now, this isn't an audible thing. I've never heard God speak to me audibly, but I, I hear him in here and in here. And, and he's like, I didn't put you on that roller coaster. You did that to yourself. Now, I... I grew up having a pretty good head on my shoulders. It's a little large, but um, um, some of you are wondering if that was okay to laugh at. Um, so, um, uh, but a pretty good spiritual intellect, a pretty good spiritual mind, and I was smart enough to know that God is the creator of life. How many of you would agree with me? God is like the author, creator, designer, architect of life. But I realized that by default, Somewhere along the lines, I believe that because God is the architect and the designer of life, he's obviously then the designer and the architect of the roller coasters I go through life. And here it was, God telling me, I didn't put you through that. You did that to yourself. And I had this realization come to me that life isn't just like a journey on a roller coaster where, where you sit down, you hold on tight, you stay still, and you just pray that at the end of the ride, you still have hair in your head, gum in your mouth, and you puked as least as possible. I realized that God was actually telling me in this moment as I'm, as I'm driving home that there is a responsibility on my part that I'm actually partially responsible for the architecture and the design of the roller coaster of my life. And can I tell you something? I really don't believe that God's desire for my life or for your life is that we go through roller coasters all the time. I don't believe it's God's plan to be like, yep, this is Tommy's day. He's going down. He's going, okay? I don't think that's God's desire for me. Now, God is with us in the moments when we do go down. And God is so good at the comeback stories, the times where like we were in the valley of the shadow of death, you know, and we didn't get the, the, the graduation gift we were hoping for, or like you're looking for gift cards at Walmart that don't say happy birthday on them. And you're like, happy birthday, happy birthday. You go down to the next aisle, happy birthday, happy birthday. I did this just the other day and my roller coaster is going down. I'm like, how many happy birthdays? Like, okay, sorry, all right. 
So when we're like experiencing the valley of the shadow of death, God is so good at taking us from those moments and bringing us to a mountaintop of victory that we tend to think God then is responsible for bringing us to the valley of the shadow of death. And can I just tell you something? I don't believe that's always true. There's, there's a responsibility on our part that keeps us from going through the roller coaster of life and actually being level. Now, there's some portions of scripture after I had this experience with God and the screw in my tire. I've, I was looking through scripture trying to figure out like, you know, some you know, some backing here like to what God was telling me. And I found a verse in Psalms where David is talking to God. And, and if you want to know how you can talk to God, now I know we're not David, and if your name's David, you're still not like David. But um, David spoke to God so honestly and, and so, so genuinely. And when David was going through rough times, he didn't have a problem talking to God and pleading with God. And here in Psalms chapter 143, um, he says this to God when he is going through a rough time. The enemies are all surrounding him. He says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Now notice here, David didn't say, hey, God, solve all my problems. Help it be better, and, and you know, I'll be happy again, and, and you know, I'll get out of the corkscrew of life. No, he said, teach me to do your will. And then let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So what David was basically acknowledging in that moment and through the power of the word and the Bible, you know, we can see this today that there's a responsibility on our part to do the will of God for us to experience a level track in our life. There's a responsibility on our part to do the will of God to then experience a level track in our life. We can tell God all the time and we can pray to him and he's like, look, start doing the things that I encourage you to do and tell you to do and you'll actually see some of the prayers that you've been praying come to pass. We have a part to play in this whole thing. In Isaiah chapter 26, uh, which is a few books after Psalms, it says this, the path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, make the way of the righteous smooth. So here we see that the path of righteous people is level and smooth. And I think to myself, is my life level and smooth? How many of you would think to yourself, yeah, that ain't me. Yep, okay, it's okay. Yeah, that ain't me. And how, how am I supposed to attain this life that is level and smooth? Like, okay, so the path of the righteous is level and smooth. That's great. Well, how did they get there? How did they get there? So I looked further into scripture and there's a guy by the name of Paul. You've probably heard of him. He wrote uh, most of the New Testament. And he says this in Philippians chapter four. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, I read this scripture and um, I think to myself, well, good for you. I am so proud of you. 
Look at that. Like, you know how to be content whether you have a lot. I could be content with a lot. I could be content if I won $2 billion. I could be content if I got a Ferrari. Probably not because then you got to pay for a mechanic. Um, Very rare, though, because Ferraris are so awesome. So I'm like, I could be content. But then he also says I'm content with, 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 uh, not that much. I'm content when I'm in want. I think, yeah, yeah, sure you are. Sure you are. Like your life is perfect. You were the voice of God to the Gentiles or the people that weren't Jewish, you know, and God just, you know, you and God had conversations and life was just perfect for you. But then he goes on in 2 Corinthians, a different book of the New Testament, and hear, hear what Paul says. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Um, If I was writing this, I would have just said 39. I don't know why. Five times I received the the lashes 40 minus one. Um, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. I'm surprised he doesn't say in danger of babies because it's kind of, okay. All right. Um, In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger. Hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And this is the guy that says, I've learned to be content. I know the secret of how to be content, whether in plenty or in want. And I think to myself, what's the secret? I might even pay for the secret. If you can go five times 40 lashes minus one, if I got one lash, it would be over. People would hear about it all over the place. I would make sure it got on YouTube. And here, Paul's like, yeah, you know, it was no thing. You know, like shipwrecked several times. Who does that? It's like I was on a cruise, I got shipwrecked. You're like, oh, okay. Then you're like, then I went on another cruise and I got shipwrecked again. What? Two times? So, Paul, there should be a ride at Great America called Paul. All right, so Paul has gone through the ups, the downs, the corkscrews, all the crazy things, and yet he has said that he's learned the secret to be content. He's learned the ability to stay level. And I think, well, what's the recipe, Paul? What is it that we need to have in our life? Please help there to be a recipe. And thankfully, there is. In the earlier part of Philippians chapter 4, he gives us a recipe. Now, here's the thing. What I'm about to read to you guys, many of you have already read before. There's actually songs written based on the lyrics that I'm going to read to you. And and many of you have probably sung those songs, know those songs, and you will have the opportunity, once I start reading this scripture, to be like, yep, I've heard that, been there, done that, yep, yep. And you kind of check out. But here's the thing I want you to know. Knowledge of something does not mean the execution of something. Your knowledge of what the scripture says does not mean you're executing or, or doing what scripture says. 
So this might be something you've heard of before, and uh, that doesn't work. But the question is, did you really try? Did you really try? So here's what he goes on to say. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Yay, that's it. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Now, when I was younger, I used to hear a lot of preachers and pastors talk about how we need to be praising God and thanking him and rejoicing in him even when we're kind of in the lowest of lows. How many of you have ever heard that before? You still need to find reason to be thankful to God even in the lowest of lows. But I find in this current world, in this current culture, we can watch award shows, we can watch the Grammys, the Oscars, the ESPYs, uh, the Dundee Awards, uh, for those of you that are Office fans. Um, we can watch all of these, all of these different awards. And can I tell you something? You can watch a whole show and not hear a single person say, I just want to thank God. We've lost an ability as a culture, I'm not saying you, but as a culture, to even rejoice in God when life is going great. Or we just fail to think about it. You know, food's on the table and, uh, you know, one person got to the table, started eating, well, you might as well just start eating, you know, and, and we just fail to rejoice when things are going well. And can I tell you, if we fail to rejoice when things are going well, what are our chances to rejoice in God when things aren't going well? And he says here, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, can I tell you something? The Bible is pretty expensive real estate. You don't just get to repeat something just because you feel like it. Like, the things that are in the Bible are important. So when something is repeated, we should really pay attention to that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I think there's even an exclamation it's like, this is for real. This is important. Do this. Now, can I tell you something? You're going to have no good, very bad, awful days. And the only way you're going to be able to praise God in the midst of that is if you're praising God in the midst of the awesome, incredible, great days. And in that moment, you know what you will find? Some consistency. You were like, you know, yesterday when life is going great, I found myself praising and worshiping God. And today it's not going so great. But there is one thing I can control. I can praise and worship God. He continues. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. You know when your gentleness is evident to all? It's not when you're talking with your best friend. Like, oh yeah, how's it going? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when someone is coming at you with every negativity, every awfulness, every whatever, that is when your gentleness will become evident to all. So you're gentle with your friends. Praise God, awesome, good for you. You know, pat on the back, go you. But are you gentle when someone's attacking you? And I'm not talking like, you know, punching you, but like verbally or maybe in those passive ways. It's like, I know you did that on purpose, and yet you don't think that I know you did that on purpose. Are you still gentle? There's never been anyone that solved the roller coaster of their life but by letting anger get the best of them. So are you gentle? And then it says, do not be anxious about anything. Wow, if we just did that, wouldn't that solve the roller coaster of life? 
we didn't allow ourselves to get anxious, goes on and says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, I'm gonna sit down for this. So, how many of you have ever prayed before? How many of you have ever prayed about something and then immediately afterwards, nothing changed? That's kind of irritating. And I wanna let you know something. In this sequence of stuff that Paul is writing, I believe prayer is a part of the equation. It's not the only equation itself. You will find more power in your prayer if you're rejoicing way before you ever say, dear Jesus. You will find more power in prayer when you are gentle before you ever say, dear God, help me not to beat that person. You will find more power in prayer if you're not anxious all the time. I think prayer is part of the equation. And when you do all these other things, guess what? You're going to see the roller coaster that you perceive as your life to be level. To be level. And Paul goes on to some other things, which I'd encourage you to read. Again, it's in Philippians chapter 4. But we could stop right there, and I think we already have a honey-do list. Now, here's the thing. Being gentle or not being anxious is not going to keep screws from getting into your tire. I actually talked to the service manager because a few years before that, I brought in my vehicle because a branch was sticking into the side of my tire. How does that even happen? And I told him, I said, does this happen to anyone else? (laughs) Being gentle and not being anxious and rejoicing is not going to keep bad things from happening to you. But I I want you to really grab hold of this. Everything that was at this point, okay, This this is the point you really need to grab hold of. What happens to you is not what creates the roller coaster in your life. How you respond to what happens to you creates the roller coaster in your life. You can't dictate what happens. I can't dictate when I go to Subway and they're making my Philly cheese sandwich and they drop some of the meat. They're like, oh, you didn't want that either. You know, and they just swipe it back in the car. I'm like, my meat. You can't control that. You're like, Tommy, wow, you got big problems in your life. (laughs) You can't control those type of situations, but you can control how you respond in those situations. It's like, bless God, today is a good day. I got no screws in my tire, less meat, but no screws. So there's a final story thought I, I want to read to you. Um, in the month of May, I was, I was on Facebook. I don't go on it a ton, but uh, one of my childhood friends um, had a pretty long update. And uh, he is actually like an older brother to Angela, And um, uh, so I read it, and here's what he said. He said, well, I wasn't going to post this. And when it starts out like that, isn't it like, what is it? But I believe in the power of prayer. Found found out today I have precancer cells and started immediate treatment on spots on my face. 
Tried to joke about it with my doctor because I was nervous when she told me the news, only for her to let me know I'll be going in next Tuesday for a full body scan. One thing remains for me. I will serve my Jesus forever. Pre-cancer is just pre-cancer, and I'm not letting it be more than that. Whether I get healed or not, Jesus will always be my reason. Thankful for my family and my amazing wife, my daughter, who are prayer warriors all themselves. Thankful for my church that believes in healing and miracles. I'm determined that this isn't going to be around long. And after the next three months of whatever treatments will be and look like, I'm going to keep doing what I do. Love the people God surrounds me with that make me smile every day. I'm going to smash Tuesday's body scan in the face. (laughs) Then a few days later, he had this update. Just went through the most excruciating tests I've ever gone through in my life today. But let it be known, everything came back 100% negative. God is good. Next step for me is a full body scan Tuesday at 11 a.m. from the neurologist. Bam! Smashing those pre-cancer cells. No melanoma in this body is what I'm believing. Running a marathon after the report, I'm going to get Tuesday. Today pretty much ruled out any cancer on my brain. I love Jesus. Then a few days later, he said this. Touching base for my doctor's appointment last Friday, brain cancer was ruled out, any tumors were ruled out, and now today, 100% cancer-free. All pre-cancer cells found last week, 100% gone. Doctor said she expected the report three months away from now at best. Hugged me and sent me on my way. Jesus is for real. Thanks everyone for the prayers. I'm 100% healed and feel so good. I literally cried. So happy, I picked up my daughter from school to celebrate. Do you notice a consistency in his story? And can I tell you something? Through the technology of Facebook, we were able to take the journey with him. And did you notice how the roller coaster didn't exist? That There was this level attitude, this level spirit that regardless of what was happening in his life, he chose to not take the ride. He chose to rejoice. He chose to be calm. He didn't take out his anger and his frustration on the world. He didn't seem anxious, did he? Just sounded positive and he believed in the power of prayer. Now, none of those things necessarily dictate everything that happened with him, but can I tell you something? Because he did those things, he maintained a level spirit in his life and was able to conquer something I've seen so many times where it's overwhelmed so many people. Isn't that true? He was able to conquer those moments in his life. And I think to myself, there's a lesson there. There's a lesson there for me. There's a lesson there for all of us. That the roller coaster that we go through in life is not dictated by what happens to us, but how we respond to what happens to us. And instead of blaming God for a potential situation he may or may not have really wanted in your life, We can choose to see God as a helper, as an assistant, 
to keep us level. Amen? Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes. You might be here today, and you might be like a lot of us. You're going through the roller coaster. You're seeing the cars disappear in front of you. Maybe you're in the loop-de-loop. Maybe you're in the corkscrew. Or maybe you're just going further and further and further down than you ever thought would be. I want to encourage you and let you know that God is right there with you. He asks you, just like my dad asked me, you want to hold my hand? You want to hold my hand? You can choose to be too cool and say, no, 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 I don't need you. Or you can accept his offer. You can accept the plan that he has for you. And that plans to level it out. If you're here today and you're like, Tommy, I want God to level it out. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna be able to pray for you. If that's you, you can just stretch out your hand. I'm not gonna call you forward. Is there anyone I see hands up all over the place? You guys can put your hands down. That's awesome. Anyone else that say, God, it's awesome. I see your hand. You can put it down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you, Lord, that despite wherever we are on this roller coaster, whether it's level or whether it's going up or down, or God, you are with us and you're offering help. God, I pray that we would be so bold and so strong to accept the help you have to offer. God, I pray that we would choose to rejoice, that we would choose to be gentle, that we would choose to not be anxious, and that we would choose to pray, and that then we would receive that peace that transcends all understanding in your glorious and holy name. Amen. Let's thank God for his power, amen.